Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. We are glad that you're here. Um, Got a lot going on in the next few months um, as we uh, just kind of jump into uh, this season of our church. Grow groups begin this week. We have some that are beginning this evening. If you haven't gotten in a grow group yet or joined one, signed up for one, do that today. It's not too late. Uh, We love being in community. We do that in semesters. We'll have a semester uh, 12 weeks right now. Uh, We'll have about eight weeks in the summer, and then we'll have another 12 weeks in the fall. Just an opportunity for us to learn, grow, be in community together. Pray first services tonight. Uh, I was was just spending some time with the Lord this last week, right after the fast ended, and um, it was on Monday, and I felt like uh, in my spirit, what I wanted to challenge you with is what the Lord challenged me with, uh, was really this idea that right now is where the rubber meets the road. Um, We've been in 21 days of prayer and fasting that, uh, so to speak, it ended corporately, uh, but this is is the moment where we have to decide to continue to follow Jesus and continue to obey his word, continue to uh, really have encounters with God on our own uh, and not, not, you know, we'll, we'll do the corporate thing again, but come on, God wants a personal relationship with you. And he can lead you to fast on your own. And he can lead you in what to pray and what to read in his word and all of those things. And so part of that is uh, tonight. And I know we've uh, we had three prayer services in January. But I want to invite you to be here tonight uh, because for the rest of the year, the first Sunday of every month, we'll be gathering here for one hour from 6 to 7 to pray. And uh, that begins tonight. So I want to invite you out. And uh, we're just going to have a good time in the presence of the Lord praying for one another and praying uh, over specific topics. It's going to be a great time tonight from 6 to 7, so come back, be here for that. Mission trip, you heard about that, it's coming up. Uh, that that uh, $250 deposit is due ASAP so that we can begin getting reservations for flights. We can begin uh, knowing who is going to be on that team and starting to build some things around that. So uh, we'll need that just as soon as possible. Next Steps is actually going on right now. Uh, I think there were like 10 to 12 people going through Next Steps today, which is incredible. If you've not been through Next Steps, the next one that will roll around, we do it every other month. And so the first two Sundays in April will be Next Steps again. Uh, step one is where you really get the vision of the church and why we do what we do. Step two, we talk about how you can get involved, what it looks like to be in leadership, what it looks like to be serving, what uh, the expectations are, all those things. So it's really great information uh, so that you can connect and get involved in the church. So uh, be on the lookout for that uh, coming again in April. Um, and then you heard about grow groups getting in that. One thing I did want to mention is our iKids grow groups. Uh, we, all, we started this last semester, and we always have a lot of kids that are participating in that. But we do, need, uh, we do need you to register your kids if you're planning on your kids being a part of that. And so what that looks like is you as an adult, you're attending a grow group, and so we provide this for your kids. It doesn't have to be on the same night. You can be attending a grow group on a Sunday evening, and your kids still participate in their groups on Wednesday nights if you want them to do that. But, uh, but you registering them online allows us to know how much of things that we need and the right amount of volunteers and all of those details. So it's very important that you do that. 
And then baptisms are uh, coming up next Sunday. So if you want to be water baptized and you've never been water baptized since you've decided to follow the Lord, uh, then go on the Church Center app and register. That way we can get you a shirt, we can get you a towel, we can make sure all of that is prepared for you. That's coming up next Sunday. We're going to celebrate with those being water baptized. And today I want to pray for Paris New Generation Church. So will you bow your heads and let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity we have to be in this room. May we never take it for granted and we lift up uh, Paris New Generation Church to you right now. We thank you for their leadership and their pastor and their congregation and Lord, everything that they do to build your kingdom. We thank you for the opportunity to build your kingdom alongside them in this community. And God, I pray that you would bless everything that they do to build your kingdom in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, today we are, uh, we have been in this series called Agree to Receive. And uh, next, next weekend, we're going to begin something brand new. Uh, we're going to, my plan is that we're going to be going through the book of Colossians for uh, a few weeks after, after this. So today, we're kind of wrapping up this series, uh, Agree to Receive. And come on, has this, has this series been a blessing to you? Have you gotten anything out of it? Just, just as we're receiving, yeah, as we're learning to receive joy and receive vision and receive, you know, this call that Jesus has given us when he called you know called the crowd out and uh our theme verse for this word for the year and for the series was in second peter 1 3 by his divine power god has given us everything we need for living a godly life we have received all of this by coming to know him the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence and so we talked about stepping toward joy and making a decision living to give, pleasing God, not people. We talked about denying ourselves and taking up our cross, following Jesus. Last weekend, we talked about how we need vision for our lives, we need vision for our families, and we need vision for our finances. And all of those are on the podcast or on the app if you want to go back and get that content. But today, for part four of this series, I've titled the message, The Heart of the Matter. The Heart of the Matter. And what I want to do today is I want to walk through a passage uh, in your Bible where someone makes a statement to Jesus and then Jesus, res- I want to look at Jesus' response and his teaching after this statement was made and I really think the Lord wants to do something in our hearts today. Uh, maybe that we're not even aware that we might need. Uh, I really sensed that as I was preparing this last week that, that some of these things today that we're going to talk about, um, many of us probably don't even recognize, or maybe we don't think we need it right now, but it's something to put in our back pocket, or we don't see it right now, but it's something that the Lord's going to reveal to us. So here's, here's my first point, if you're taking notes. The first point is this, be on guard. Be on guard. Now, I wanna, we're going to be in Luke chapter 12, and uh, we're just going to kind of go through this in segments, and, uh, and I'll share with you what I feel like the Lord put on my heart as we go through it. Luke chapter 12, and I want to start in verse 13 says, then someone called from the crowd, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. And Jesus replied, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? So this passage starts out with a man. Jesus is there and he's got his disciples. And once again, we see Jesus with his disciples and we see Jesus with the crowd. And a man from the crowd calls out and wants uh, wants Jesus to fix his problem. Wants Jesus, we don't have a whole lot of backstory, but we can kind of, and you know, we can kind of think that this guy and his brother have actually kind of maybe been at it, and he's not dividing up what needs to be divided up the right way. 
and he's not giving this guy what he thinks he deserves or what maybe legally he does deserve. And so he goes to Jesus, and in this culture, it was typical for people to come to a rabbi and bring a problem so that the rabbi could settle it and say, okay, this is what needs to happen. You need to do this, and you need to do this. And so this guy comes to Jesus, and Jesus is here, crowd and his disciples, and he calls out and he says, I need you to fix my problem. I need you to settle this. Come on, anybody ever have a problem that you, you, like, you called out to Jesus and was like, Jesus, I need you to fix my problem. I need you to fix my issue. I've got this thing going on. But I love what Jesus does with this man and, and what he does with us today. And here's what I think we're going to see is that Jesus goes deeper. This guy has a, a surface level issue. It's a problem that he thinks needs to be solved and he can't get it solved. And so he brings it to Jesus and says, I need you to help me fix this problem. And Jesus, honestly, it would appear on the surface that Jesus doesn't even address the issue. But what I love about Jesus is Jesus goes deeper with this guy and with the crowd and with us even today. And I don't know if you've ever, if if you're like me, have have you ever brought an issue to God? Lord, I need you to help me with this. And then the Lord took you a little bit deeper. And you thought you had one issue, but the Lord pointed out that, oh no, you have a much deeper thing going on inside of you. You you had a financial issue, but Jesus went a little deeper. And you thought, Lord, I just need you to fix my finances. We just need more money. We need a check in the mail. We need a new job. We need something. And Jesus was like, no, what you really need is, and he went a little bit deeper. Or you had a relational issue, relationship with somebody, and Jesus went a little deeper. You brought the relational issue to him. And it almost seemed like Jesus didn't even, like, he didn't even talk about your thing that you brought to him. It's like, Jesus, you're missing the point. And Jesus is like, no, I know exactly what the point is. I know exactly what I need to get at in this moment when you go a little deeper. Sometimes it seems like Jesus is ignoring our problem, but he's not ignoring it. He's just going a little deeper. And this man wanted Jesus to do this surface level thing for him. But Jesus addresses this man and everyone else with this statement. Immediately after this, this man says, you need to fix this problem. Can you make him divide this up and give me what's rightfully mine? And look at what Jesus says. Then he said, beware. Seems kind of strange. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. To which if we were standing there, we'd be like, Jesus, that's not what he asked for. That doesn't even seem like, it seems like you have completely changed the subject. Can you, hey, can you, teaching is really good, everything's really good. Jesus, can you help my brother divide this upright and give me what is rightfully mine? And Jesus says, Who made me a judge to determine this? But beware, you need to guard against every kind of greed because life is not measured by how much you own. And I just picture the man, but Jesus, I just just need you to make my brother divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus says, I hear you. Be on guard against every kind of greed. Because life is not actually measured by what you own. Jesus goes a little deeper than this man's request. There's something a little deeper here that I think we need to pay attention to. And when Jesus said to beware, here's what he was saying if you study this. He was saying keep yourself from, or I like this one, 
keep an eye on. You ever had an area of your life that you had to keep an eye on? If I let that area of my life go, we're going to have problems. I'm self-aware enough that there's an area of my life that I need to keep my, I need to keep my eye on. And what Jesus says when he says, beware, he says, hey, you need to keep your eye on something. You need to keep your eye on this area. And in this particular passage, he's talking about this desire for things. You need to keep an eye on this area of your life so that you don't get eaten up by something that you may not even know is there. Have you ever, you ever been walking or pulled up to somebody's house or, uh, and, and on the fence, there was this beware of dog sign. Anybody ever encountered that? And you're, let's just say you're walking by and there's this beware of dog sign that's on the fence. And as you look, you look in the yard and you don't see anything. So you're, looking, you're like, beware of dog. And you look in the yard, you don't see anything. Now, I don't know how many of you are like me and how many of you are the opposite of me. But if I see a beware of dog sign on somebody's fence... I don't have to see the dog to obey the sign. Come on, are you with me? Some of you are like, if I don't see the dog, I just jump over there and I'll just, if the dog comes running out, I'll just jump back over the fence. I don't have to see, I don't have to see, actually see the dog in the yard. I'm going to trust that that dog might be hiding, might be around on the side of the house. And if I jump over this fence right now or I walk through this gate right now, I'm going to have problems. And the owner was trying to warn me that if I come in here, I'm going to have problems. My decision to yield to the sign is not based on if I can see the dog. It's based on the warning that I actually need to beware of something that I might not even be able to see. And I think many times spiritually, we read or we hear Jesus' instructions to beware of something or to do something or to pay attention to something, but we ignore it because we don't see the danger in the moment. So we read something like this where Jesus is like, you need to beware of all, you need to be on guard against all kinds of greed. <coughs> to which many of us would say, well, I'm not greedy. I don't see that dog in the yard. And Jesus is saying, but as soon as you jump the fence, as soon as you start to open the gate just a little bit, the thing that you didn't even see was there can attack you and eat you alive because you ignored the sign. You ignored the, the, the thing that Jesus was saying, no, you need to be on guard now. Even though you don't see it now, you've got to be on guard now. Because once you cross that line, once you jump into that fence, once you ignore the sign and you're like, I'm okay, that's when you need to watch out. I think sometimes we ignore instruction from Scripture. We ignore ignore what we felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to us. And we always seem to face consequences in life when we ignore instruction from Scripture or the voice of the Holy Spirit. Have you noticed that in your life? That when you ignore what God was saying to you or you ignore what you read in Scripture or you're like, I don't know that I need that and I think I'm okay, that somewhere down the line you start to experience a consequence for ignoring the instruction of God. That'll never be me. That'll never happen to me. 
I'll never go there. To which Jesus would tell you today, you need to be on guard. You may not see it right now, but as soon as you let your guard down, as soon as you start to open that gate, as soon as you start to climb over that fence, there's something waiting on you on the other side. And so you need to beware, you need to be on guard right now. So what is, what is greed? It's the desire for more things. It's a desire for advantage. It's a lusting for a greater number of temporal things on this earth. It's a lack of com- contentment. It's believing that if you had more, you'd be happier, and so you lust and you strive after more. This is, this is what greed is. And here's the thing about greed. Greed's sneaky. It's just, well, it's just a little bit more. Pa- I heard a pastor say one time, he said, a lot of us lived in, live in the land of Ur. We need bigger and better and more Ur. And some of, us live in, some of us live in the land of Est. We need the big Est and the best Est. Like some of us live in this place where it's like, well, it's just, a, it's just, it's just ambition. It's just a little bit of ambition. Just, try, just, just being ambitious, I don't. The Bible would also teach us to watch out for selfish ambition. Because what happens when you get selfish ambition is you forget about people. And you forget about who's around you. And you forget about God. And you forget about contentment. It's just a little bit more. And Jesus would say, you need to be on guard against all kinds, all kinds of greed. And most of the time when we think about greed, we think about money. And that's a big part of it. But it's also stuff material things power greed is one of those things that you may not be able to see looking through the fence but as soon as you climb the fence it attacks you and i love the fact that jesus doesn't just say to keep yourself from greed but he also i think he gives us the ultimate why he says here's why you don't even need to go after that and a lot of times when we understand the why behind something, it can help us to submit to the instruction. And here's the why that I think Jesus gives. is this statement, life is not measured by how much you own. Can I just tell somebody today at church, life is not measured by what you have. It is not measured, it's, it's, it's not measured by the house that you own. It's not measured by how much money you make. It's not measured by the car that you drive or the clothes that you wear or can you get more or can we catch up with them or do our finances and stuff measure up with other people in our lives. Come on, that's a trap. It's a trap. And Jesus says you need to be on guard. And when he says this this life is not measured by how much you own, this statement implies something. It implies that we have a tendency to measure our life by how much we own. This, doc, this guy didn't say anything about that. But Jesus went a little deeper. He says, can you tell him to divide the inheritance the right way so that I can get what is rightfully mine? And Jesus says, you need to be on guard. Here, here's what, I like to picture it this way. Here's what Jesus said. I see something. I, I, I see something. Jesus is trying to warn us that focusing on 
things is a trap, and we don't want to jump that fence. Beware of greed creeping in or guard against it in your life. Give someone in your life permission to call it out if they start to see it in you. We got to be on guard. Here's, here's the next thing. Don't be a fool. Don't be a fool. Come on, isn't this encouraging? You might encourage this morning. Be on guard. Don't be a fool. So after, after seemingly ignoring this man's issue and starting to teach something a little bit deeper, Jesus then tell, he tells a parable. Jesus loved parables. You ever notice that about the Gospels? And Jesus is, is always telling a story. And he's doing this so that he can make his point even more. And so the next few verses, he goes on and he says this. says, then he told them a story. He says, life is not measured by how much you own. So let me tell you this story. A rich man had a fertile farm and that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night, and then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. This is Jesus. He says, a person is a fool to store up everything that you want to store up and not have a rich relationship with God. Now, I just want you to notice something in this parable that I believe we can skim right over if we're not careful. It says, this man, one thing that I noticed, this man has been blessed. He's got this fertile farm. He's got fine crops. Yet one thing that always stands out to me at the very beginning is he does not acknowledge God. He does not thank God. He does not... Uh, he does not ask God what he, God wants him to do with anything that he has. He doesn't do any of, of that. In fact, what's interesting to me is he begins to congratulate himself. Have you ever congratulated yourself? You ever congratulated yourself on what you've done and what you've accumulated? And I love this text because it says that he's, ta- he's having a conversation with himself. He says, oh, my friend. You remember at the beginning of the year we talked about 2024 might be the year for you to break up with you. Oh my, oh my friend, look at what you've done. Come on, don't we have to fight this? You've got a business, you've got a job. And sometimes you go home and you're like, look at what I've done. Look at what I've accomplished. Look at what I've, look at what I've accumulated. Look at what. Look at all of the, look at what I've done. Oh, my friend. And we congratulate ourselves. Maybe you remember this statement from last week, so important. Whatever we receive from God that we don't turn back to praise will eventually turn into pride. And I see some pride. In the parable that Jesus is telling, he says, hey, let me make my point a little bit better. And I see pride, I see selfishness in this, prayer, in this parable. And here's, here's the thing, pride and selfishness will make a fool out of you and me. We'll start having conversations with ourselves and congratulating ourselves on how awesome we are. Because we've forgotten about God. And here's the reality, if you measure your life by the stuff that you have and the money that you make, 
it will take your focus off of God and it will actually pull you away from God. And according to this parable that we just read, Jesus would even say that you're a fool to make that decision. To allow your stuff to take first place in your life and pull you away from God, Jesus said that would actually make you a fool. A person is a fool to to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. Jesus also made this statement. This is from Matthew chapter 6, and you'll recognize this. He says, no one can serve two masters, for for you will hate one and you'll love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. It's a spirit. And what's interesting to me in this parable that Jesus is telling is that Jesus isn't even, did you know that Jesus isn't even against the fertile farm? Jesus never speaks against all the fine crops. Jesus doesn't speak against any of that stuff. In fact, I believe that Jesus is good with your business flourishing. I believe that Jesus is good with you prospering in life. Come on, we don't like that word in in our culture today, prospering. I don't know how you can get away from it. It's in the Bible everywhere. I, I think that Jesus is good with you and I being blessed in these ways. But here's what Jesus, I think, was teaching the man. Is that relationship with God is far more important than him getting his share of the inheritance. And the man didn't need good legal advice. He needed a right attitude toward the stuff. Jesus saw it. He saw it. This guy doesn't need me to fix his problem. He needs me to address a deeper issue. He needs the right attitude toward his accumulation of things and wealth. He needed a correct attitude toward his stuff. And Jesus' concern is not so much with how much wealth we possess, but how much our wealth possesses, possesses us. But, but Pastor Gabe, the, the passage doesn't talk about the guy's attitude toward accumulating wealth and material things, and you would be right. But here's what we know about Jesus. Jesus sees the heart. And so he doesn't even seemingly address the guy's issue that he wanted him to address. What he does is he starts speaking right to the heart of the problem, right to the heart of the issue. He doesn't address the surface level request. Come on, you know this about God. If you've ever prayed, if you've ever asked God for something, if you've ever been in a situation or you've been ever seeking God about something, there's sometimes you feel like God ignores everything that you just said and gives you a completely different answer. And it's because God is not as much concerned about the surface level thing that you're bringing to him as he is the heart and the motive behind it. And so God, like, he'll go a little bit deeper. And he'll say, okay, you're asking me this question But here's the problem. Here's the real thing that we need to address. He speaks to the motive and he speaks to the heart. Don't be a fool and choose temporal things over a rich relationship with God. Here's here's the next thing that I see as we go on through this. And I I just titled this, I couldn't think of any other better way to say it, but seek the kingdom. After telling this parable, Jesus turns specifically to his disciples and he begins to teach them something that's important. So this man, and and all of this is stemming from this man's like, hey, can you fix my issue? Like, can you have him divide this up? I want what's mine. He can have what's his. Fix this problem for us. And Jesus says, you need to be on guard about some other things. Life is not measured by how much you own. 
And then he tells this parable, and then it says this, says, then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, this is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, for life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than any bird's. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully, he's implying, he's, he's, he's letting us know God cares. God sees you. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? To which I would say is almost a reflection of the opposite. He says life is not measured by the things that you own. And when life for you is measured by the things that you own, you've actually put your faith in the things and you've taken your faith off of God. So now you have more faith in what you can do and the stuff that you have. And he says, why, why do you have so little faith? Why are you... Why are you trying to do it all for you? And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and he will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Here's what I believe the Lord wants us to hear. It's, it's time for a shift. In some of our perspective, in some of our minds, in some of our lives and what we're seeking after, it's time for a shift. And I even put it this way. Stop seeking stuff and start seeking the kingdom. Stop seeking promotion and start seeking the kingdom. Stop seeking more money and start seeking the kingdom. Stop seeking what, everything that God can do for you and start seeking the kingdom. Seeking the kingdom. Jesus taught a lot about the kingdom. I don't have time to get into all that today. I would actually give you that as homework probably to go look up all the instances where Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. But what I do want to talk about is how we can seek the kingdom of God. Because if you're like me, I've read this before, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago about another passage. I've read this before, and I've thought, seek the kingdom of God above all else. And you know, Matthew would say it this way, to seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added in there to you. Which begs the question, what is seeking the kingdom? What is that? Is it coming to church? Is it reading your Bible? Like, what, what is seeking the kingdom? Because if we don't know what he meant by seek the kingdom... We won't know how to seek the kingdom. And we won't be able to receive everything that he wants to give us and meet all of our needs. Because we're not, we don't know what it looks like to seek the kingdom. And it's actually, I think, after, after looking this up and studying this a little bit, it's actually a little bit easier than what we think it is. We think it's this abstract thing that God's like, seek the kingdom. We're like, oh, that's deep. Seek the kingdom. Here's... When you study the word seek that's used in this, the original word, one explanation is this, aim at. 
just aim at. So I think we could even say it this way. I, I, picture, I picture a target in my mind. That there's this target with a bullseye right in the middle. And what Jesus is saying is he says, aim at that. Like, stop aiming at everything else in your life and aim at this. And I think we could say it this way. Aim your life at God's kingdom because everything else you need is found in it. Aim your life toward God's kingdom. We, we have, our struggle is that we, I'm trying to say this in the right way. Our struggle is that we live in the wrong kingdom. We live in the wrong kingdom. We live in the kingdom of here. And so I've got to do it, and I've got to make it happen, and I've got to get more, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do this, and I've got to, and, and we're waiting on, listen, we're waiting until one day to enter into the kingdom of God. And that's not what Jesus said. He said, your kingdom come, where? On earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus was teaching, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. It's here. It's not in the distant future somewhere if we live our life right that we get to enter into the kingdom. Like you can actually live in the kingdom of God and aim your life at the kingdom right now. So he's not talking about, he's not talking about aiming at heaven one day. That's not what he's saying. Live a certain way so that you're aiming your life at heaven so that you're going to get into heaven one day and that's what it looks like to seek the kingdom. That's not what he's saying. He's saying seek the kingdom now. Live in the kingdom now. Well, what does it look like to live in the kingdom now? I think we can say it this way. Let God rule in your heart. If Jesus is king, let him rule. What does it look like to live in the kingdom of God right now, to be in the kingdom of God, to aim your life at the kingdom of God right now? Let Jesus be in charge. So how are we living in the wrong kingdom when I'm in charge? How are we aiming our life at the kingdom of God and living in, like experiencing the kingdom of God now? Well, with every kingdom comes a king and Jesus is king and if Jesus is king then we need to let him rule what does it look like to let him rule that means every 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 area of your life every area of your life like every area Every area of your life. Like you bring yourself underneath the authority and the power and the control and all. Like if Jesus is king, how do we seek the kingdom? Like I let him rule. I have aimed my life at letting him rule in my heart. 
and I will not be in control of my life. He will be in control of my life. And so here's the question. Is there an area of your life that Jesus doesn't rule in? And I would submit to you that that area of your life is not pointing at the kingdom. Finances, family, work, hobbies. If Jesus is king, let him rule. One, one commentary said this about seeking the kingdom of God. It said, seeking the kingdom of God above all else means making Jesus the Lord and king of your life. Seeking him is not a one-time action. We must keep on asking him to control every area of our work, play, plans, and relationships. Do you keep his leadership central to all you do? Are you holding back any areas of your life from his control? As Lord and creator, he wants to help provide what you need as well as guide how you use what he provides. I really think, I really think, That seeking first the kingdom, when Jesus was saying, seek first the kingdom, not your own kingdom, not your own plans, not your own things, but seek first the kingdom. Let me rule in your heart in every area of your life. And here's here's the promise that Jesus gave. And this is how I pictured it in my mind. When you're aiming at the bullseye, listen, everything you need is in the bullseye. And we're trying to get it out here. We're trying to get everything we need out here. This target and this target and this target and this target and this target. And he says, if you will seek first the kingdom, then everything you need will be added to you. It'll be given to you. So stop trying to any, and here's here's what we know. When we start trying to get Everything that we think we need in our own strength and in our own ability, what starts happening? Anxiety, worry, does God even care? He cares. He's just got everything you need in the bullseye. And he sent Jesus to tell us, seek, don't don't worry about all these things. Life is more than what you wear. Life is more than what you eat. Life is more than what you drink. Life is more than all of these things that you think you want and you think you need. He says, listen, here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. Beware. Guard against all kinds of greed. Life is not measured by the things that you own. You're a fool if you have, you know, you've stored up all these things, but you don't have this rich relationship with God. And then he turns to his disciples and he says, this is why I tell you, don't worry about all these other things. Seek the kingdom. And when you seek the kingdom, everything that you need, it'll be given to you. It'll be given to you. It's all found in seeking the kingdom. Aim your life at God's kingdom and his rule in your life. And then here's the last thing that I want to talk about. Lead your heart. Lead your heart. Be on guard. Seek the kingdom. Don't be a fool. Lead your heart. He goes on, the, the, the last two verses of this passage, this is what he says. Right after this, seek the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. 
This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. And we like the idea of storing up treasure. I know I do. But Jesus tells us where to store up our treasure. He says, store it up. Store it up. It's, th- it's thinking higher. We have to think higher. We have to aim higher. Listen, we have to think a different kingdom. I'm storing up, my, I'm storing up treasure in a different kingdom. So we have to recognize that wherever we're storing up our treasure is where we are leading our heart. It is where you are leading your heart. So how do we store up treasure in heaven? I think this is what Jesus said, if I could just put it in my own words. Use what we have to help other people. Just, just use what we have to help other people. Well, I don't have a lot. We, we just use what we have to help other people. Well, I have a lot of stuff. and that, We just use what we have to help other people. He, he says, sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure in heaven for you. When you use what you have to help other people. If Jesus' heart is toward people, shouldn't our heart be toward people? If Jesus' heart is toward the people in your life and toward the people that are lost in your life and toward the people that are maybe saved in your life, but they're, I mean, like he knows, they're not seeking the king. They're striving, they're stressed, they're worried, they're, they're going through difficulty right now. They're like, they're walking through a divorce. They're walking through the loss of a child. They're walking through all of these things. And Jesus' heart is turned toward people. Shouldn't we lead our heart to be toward people? And Jesus says, when you use what you have to help other people, you lead your heart. You lead your heart to be there. You lead your heart, you're leading, what is your heart? It's your mind, will, and emotions. You're leading your thoughts, you're leading your emotions, you're leading your will to be turned toward people because God cares about people. Using what we have to help other people and build the kingdom of God, it leads our hearts to be turned toward other people and the kingdom of God. And Jesus, I love this promise or this statement he makes about living this way and storing up treasure this way. He says, the purses of heaven never get old and they never develop holes. So every time you're depositing something into the kingdom, you're storing up treasure in the kingdom, Jesus says, that bag never gets old. And that bag never develops holes but if you're storing up everything here come on you've been storing up things here you like you you just think in practical you like a lot about clothing and everything like that goes out of style it gets old it gets old you're storing up things here and and all of a sudden there's another passage where it talks about how uh it's like everything that we have and we accumulate and we try to gain it like falls through the bottom of the bag there's like a hole in the bottom of the bag 
and you look down and it's like, where'd everything go? What do I have to, let me say it this way, what do I have to show for any of that? It's like it just, it's like it got old, it's like the bag just developed holes and it started leaking out. This same instance in Matthew, Matthew records it where he says, and, and moths and rust and all these things, they just, it just destroys it because you were storing it up in the wrong place. You've got you've to store, you've got to think differently. You've got to think a different kingdom. Why does Jesus desire for us to use what we have to bless others and to minister to others? I think this is one reason. The only thing we can take to heaven with us is people. The only thing, listen to me, the only thing you're taking to heaven with you is people. You're not taking your house, you're not taking your clothing, you're not taking, the only thing you're taking with you are the people that you led to him. There's not going to be, when I get to heaven, there's not going to be a box sitting there with all my trophies and all my shoes. Come on. And, and you got to remember, see, Jesus is brilliant. Brilliant. Because when he tells this parable that we read earlier, he doesn't speak against the stuff. He doesn't. So Jesus is not like, don't have shoes don't have a house, don't have money, don't have any of these things. He's not against any of that stuff. What he's getting at is don't let the stuff have you because the only thing you're taking with you is people. So use the stuff. Use the finances. Use the money. Use the job. Use the influence. Use all of those things to influence people for the kingdom and when your life is aimed at the kingdom, everything that you need, everything that you need will be given to you. So it's not, don't have anything. I actually think it's the opposite. I want to give you things so that you can use it to bless other people so that your heart will be turned toward other people and you will have my heart and those people, that's who will be waiting on you when you get to heaven. And you're going to enter into heaven and you're going to see Johnny. And because of the conversation that you had and you using, come on, and you use practical, just so practical, so practical. You had lunch with Johnny and you paid for Johnny's lunch and you said, whew, I know this is $15 out of my pocket, but I'm going to pay for it. and I'm going to share the gospel with Johnny. And Johnny got saved and he's in heaven one day. You didn't bring that $15 with you, but you brought him. Use, use what you've been given. Use what you've been blessed with. Come on. The, the, the fertile land, the fine crops, like all of these things that Jesus is talking about in this parable, use those things to bless other people. Worship team, you can come back. So as we, as we end today, I want to challenge you to ask yourself some questions. I want to challenge you to ask yourself some questions. So we're talking about being on guard against all kinds of greed. Even, even when you don't think you see it. Anybody, 
anybody ever noticed that the hardest place to see something is in the mirror? And Jesus is looking at your heart today, and he's like, mm, you need to guard. You need to be on guard. In that area of your life, you need to be on guard, because you don't see that dog on the other side of the fence, but as soon as you walk through that gate, it's going to attack you. And don't be a fool. Don't, don't, put, don't put worldly possessions above a, relation, a rich relationship with God. Don't, don't do that. One, one verse in the Bible would say, be rich in good deeds toward other people. Like, that's how you, that's how you be rich. Be rich in good deeds toward other people. Don't, like, have a rich relationship with God. Seek the kingdom. Aim your life. Aim your life. My life is aimed at Jesus ruling every part of me. Every area of my life. I'm seeking the kingdom. I'm seeking the kingdom. And everything I need is in the center of that target. And when I'm aimed at that, I, I'm receiving everything that I need. And we've got to lead our hearts. Lead our hearts. Not follow our mind, will, and emotions, but lead our mind, will, and emotions. And Jesus practically says, here's one way you can do that. It's use what you've been given. Use what you've been blessed with to bless other people, to help other people. And you'll be storing up treasure in heaven. And where your treasure is, where you're storing it up, you're leading your heart there. That's where your heart, that's, that's where your desires, that's where your, your thoughts, that's where all of that is going to be, is where you've led it to be. Will you stand today? So here are, here are the questions that I want to challenge you to ask. Just this week, maybe you want to go back and listen to this another time and, and write these down, or they may be on the Church Center app where you can get these questions. Where do I put my time? Where do I put my time? Where do I put my money? Where do I put my energy? What do I think about the most? I think sometimes what we think about the most will reveal to us where we've led our heart. So whatever you're thinking about the most, because that is what makes up the innermost part of you, part of it is your thoughts your mind, will, and emotions. And so the things that you think about most often are probably a reflection of where you're leading your heart. So where are you, where are you leading your heart? What do you think about the most? And how should I change the way that I use my resources in order to reflect kingdom values in my life? Is there anything that I need, is there any shift that I need to make in an area of my life where I'm using what I have to bring God glory and I'm being obedient with what I have and I'm going to do what he tells me to do with my energy, with my time, with my resources, all of those things. And I just want us this week, I just want us to ask our, begin to ask yourself some questions. What are my thoughts fixed on? What am I putting the most energy into? And maybe, maybe there needs to be a shift. Maybe there needs to be a shift.
So will you bow your heads and close your eyes? I just want to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit right now in this moment. Just ask, ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me right now? What are you speaking to me right now? God, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I want to invite our prayer team to come down and get ready to pray for people. It's one thing we love to do at the end of every service is have an opportunity for anybody that's here that needs prayer to receive prayer for anything in your life. And here in a moment, the worship team is going to begin to sing this last song and we're going to lift our hands and we're going to lift our voices. We're going to sing. But if you need prayer for anything, it does not mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean anything other than we all need prayer from time to time. And maybe you've got something going on right now and you're like, man, I just want somebody to pray with me. I just want somebody to stand with me. I just want somebody to agree with me or to encourage me. We would love to do that. And so you can slip out whenever the worship team begins to sing. Just slip out and come receive prayer. But I just want to encourage you, even during this, even during this last song, that maybe you just ask the Lord, what are you saying to me right now? Maybe you even begin to ask those questions. Where, where's my time going? Where's my energy going? Where are my thoughts going? What, where, am I, where am I leading my heart to? Am I, am I seeking, is my life aimed at the kingdom and letting Jesus rule every area of my life? So, Lord, right now, we thank you. We know your presence is here. We know your spirit is here, and we thank you. God, we thank you for your word, and I pray right now that you would do with it what only you can do with it. Lord, that you would use it individually to speak to our hearts, to speak to those areas of our lives that maybe we need to surrender to you. Maybe we need to aim our life at you in that area. And Lord, during this next song, we give you praise and we give you honor and we give you glory above everything and everybody else. And Holy Spirit, I pray if there's anybody today who needs prayer for anything in their life, that you would draw them for prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.